0: Well, let's jump into the topic at hand. Yeah, and that is—I'm almost apprehensive of jumping in because it is—it's a three-word question. But I, you know, anyone that's that's joining, and myself included, uh, nervous to see if you got the goods. You can (laughs) if you can answer such a question. But um, so let's hit it right on the head, Joseph. What what is God?
1: Well, I'm glad you set me up with that because no, I can of course not answer that question. <laughs> and um,
0: <laughs> brilliant bypass, but I uh, <laughs> no, no. I know that it's so, rooted in wisdom. No,
1: but it, it's true. I mean, the the word Vedanta, uh, which is the philosophy that this room is is based on, uh, this club is based on, is is literally means. So it's literally pointing something that is beyond the scope of the intellect, by definition. And that's what we are symbolizing with the word symbol, G-O-D. So this word, God, has taken a a role in humanity, um, largely to, to answer the question, where did it all come from? Where did it all start? what is the Mm. origin of existence itself, right? And this has Mm. been a question for for human beings forever, as long as human beings have been there. Okay, you look up and you just, where did this all happen? How is this all happening? Why is there something and not nothing? You know, what what is that reality? And, uh, you know, uh, basically solving for X, what what origin, the origin, the beginning of all things, the source of everything, equals X and humanity's tried to solve for X and eventually at some point some people came up with this word oh we've got it we've understood it this word is X equals God God is the source God is the origin God is the beginning the beginningless beginning the uncaused cause whatever that that is so then you say naturally if if you are a thinking person okay what is God and then they say God is infinite love, infinite mercy, infinite this and that, and then you say, "Okay, thank you so much. I'm satisfied. Now I know." But if we're if we're really Sorry, honest, got, my,
0: got L coming in. It's all good. Why good morning on, to L. Good. Keep going. Keep
1: going. So so to uh, to to answer the idea that the origin equals X and X equals God, and God equals infinite love, infinite mercy, infinite power, or whatever, is still not answering the question, because nobody knows what infinite anything is. So it's, it's just passing the buck. In other words, yeah, uh, I, nobody... I, I, go ahead, yeah.
0: I was just uh-huh. going to add, it. yeah, just... When you say it like that, if, let's say you just experience for you... Whoever you are starts now. now. You open your eyes. There's a room, and there are things happening that you and your body are not making happen. You want to say, "Okay, let me solve for who's making this happen. What? How is this happening?" And it's not me. So you create X as this variable that you're solving for. It's um, it's a really interesting way of of putting it, and then that I've never heard before. And then and then you, you just, it sounds like you just rename X with God. God. Exactly. You don't even write, don't even write X, X equals God. God it. You're just like, let me just stop calling it X or I don't know. I don't know. We don't know. And let's call it this uh, symbolic word, at least in English, exactly. G-O-D. Right.
1: Exactly. Which actually still has no meaning. Um, so Vedanta does not define what God is. The Vedanta never does that. Vedanta is unique in that it takes us from the known to the unknown. So it really starts very uh, in a very humble way, literally with saying, you have a body. And within the body are these two equipments, a mind and intellect, and so on and so forth, which we've talked about a lot here. And it points you in the direction of a existent principle and isness, a um, irreducible aspect of your own being and says, if you are able to remove your desires, your ignorance, your attachments and all of these things, you can have an experience which is that experience is the knowledge of God, as it were, in quotes, but it's not a knowledge in, this, in the way that you can uh, figure out a mathematical equation and be like, OK, I got it and write it on the wall. That is never. God will always elude that. In fact, uh, in the in the classical, you know, the Upanishads, uh, the, the earliest Vedantic texts, Anytime the student, and this is after years and years of sitting with the master and trying to understand what is God, what is reality, and, and we are equating those words and we'll come back to it, but anytime a student is uh, talking that way uh, to a master and saying, okay, I think I've understood, this is it. The master constantly says, neti, neti, in Sanskrit. It means not that, not that. So in fact, <laughs> the probably the best definition of God, James, is not that, not that. Anything that we can think of, anything that we can use to try to define it, the, the best definition is not that, not that. Nate. A Definition,
0: a definition through, through, negation.
1: through negation? Through
0: negation, right. And, and by the way, and by is by there, there any, there um, any uh, feedback yeah. from my I'm trying out a, um, different headphones today?
1: I think it's okay. I hear like a little sandy noise, but it could be my, my cheap headphones also.
0: Okay, well, let me know. Let me know. Okay, so okay, so, neti, neti neti. Not this, not this, or not that, not that. As as both a practical way of saying it's not anything that you can that can be beheld in a finite mind, but also a practical application of it is not something that can be pinned down, and even the uh, from uh, maybe a s- higher order order. Is there something significant to the fact that it's trying to remove you from trying to pin it down?
1: So, uh, in in a way of understanding it, uh, God is a state of being, right? Which is again sort of passing the buck. But I'm just trying to delineate it from a, an intellectual concept. It's it's something. It's a a God. Those who are God realized those who are self-realized, those who are said by the, the Vedantic scriptures to have knowledge of self. It's not knowledge in the sense of uh, an intellectual understanding. It's an awakening. It's a, it is an experience in quotes. Uh, it's not in the way we understand experience, but it, it is a, uh, an unveiling of the truth. Uh, so, so yes, um, a part of it is to, uh, as, you're, as you're asking, uh, to, to separate the personality from that constant intellectual uh, attempt or craving to try to understand uh, with the intellect in, a, in, a, in, in an intellectual kind of intelligence information way. And the focus is much more on understanding what are the uh, limiting factors in our personality uh and trying to uh eliminate them it's it's like this it's like um you are you're sitting on a hillside you're looking at the beautiful stars and the milky way above you and, and the nighttime uh and someone comes and builds a structure or you build a structure yourself uh to sit in over you and then we complain that we can't see the stars right uh, i can't see the milky way i, I don't uh I, I feel limited by this this structure. So Vedanta's whole exercise is not defining what that those stars and that that thing is. It's all really about how to remove that structure. And when you remove that over overlying structure above you, what remains is the infinite cosmos above you, which was always there. So Vedanta, the one of the pointers about God is that it is that that consciousness that that. Reality, which is always there, uh, which we are either ignorant of or awake to, and uh, what what makes us ignorant of it is all of our our desires, our attachments, our limiting, our limited ideas about what we are, what the world is, and unfortunately, um, those those limited ideas um, include the many religious ideas, the many religious concepts They're, they may be a broader than just a, a purely sensual approach, but they are, they themselves are limited. And as you can see through history, we have one person has one definition of God or has one name for God or has one image of God. Another one has another one and they may be partially right, but all of them are in the wrong. Yeah. Uh, as the, the famous blind men and the elephant, um, poem, um, describes, you have
0: do you blind, mind? Blind, do you mind elaborating?
1: Elaborating? Yeah, so, so you have, uh, you have the, yeah, there's a poem called the blind men and the elephant and, and each one of them goes and and uh, tries to uh, describe the elephant um, by touching it, you know, and, and one of them uh, touches the ear and says, Oh, the elephant is like a fan. You know, another one goes and touches the big side of the elephant and he says, "No, no, an elephant is like a wall and another, each one, uh, uh, the, one grabs the tail. It says the elephant is like the rope, right? And they're all touching the elephant, but only a piece of the elephant. And then they fight over it. And uh, you know, I have my team and you have your team. I have my religion. You have your religion in reality. Uh, the it's not the elephant is not what any one of them are saying. It includes what they're all saying, but it's beyond them. And and so even this intellectual limitations of what God is, what reality is, what the truth is, uh, has to be uh, <clears throat> transcended, through, and that that's what Vedanta is trying to do is to is to uh, negate any limiting ideas about what the truth is, what reality is.
0: Could you uh, say uh, that's, the you case case for- that's the case for? Nearly all Eastern philosophy, Vedanta, Hinduism, Buddhism, Buddhism, sin a negation to get to the truth.
1: Ultimately, yes, and the the thing is, all Eastern philosophy comes from Vedanta, right? So, as you know, Buddhism, uh, right. the Buddha, the Buddha was a Hindu prince, uh, you know, living in the modern state of what is now Bihar uh, and uh, in North India, and and uh, <clears throat> yes, it, it's 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 about removing. The limiting factors in our vision, right? It's about removing all the limitation, uh, that, that, uh, hems us in, in any way. Uh, and, uh, and yes, yeah, so, so all of the Eastern philosophy, uh, does, does do that. And even, uh, Lord Buddha himself, as, a, as an example, you know, he never called himself the Buddha. He never really talked about what reality is? Um, he would only talk about the elimination of suffering, the elimination of lim- of getting past limitation. Um, and uh, even if, when if you stop the Buddha on the road, he he wasn't the, the all of the history shows that he didn't say I am I am the Buddha. He never described himself that way, you know he would only, if anyone asked him, who are you master? You know, cause clearly he was a, uh, a supreme being walking around. I don't mean that in some like mythical way. I mean it in a, in a truthful way. He was just a exceedingly uh, remarkable human being, which is probably obvious to everybody when he walked in town, which is what he did uh, for decades and decades after his Nirvana. Uh, he would say, he would say two things. He would say either I am awake, he would describe himself as I am awake, or he would describe himself as Tathagata, which means "I thus gone, literally translates as I'm gone, I'm not here. So even both of those are rather uh, not trying to describe one is talking about I, I have achieved a higher state of consciousness or I am I am not here, I am not in this, this limitation. And, and Vedanta uh, does um, uh, fill in the gaps, as it were a bit more than Buddhism, it does go further into assertion and and talk about reality. Uh, and, and what it what it says, the reality is, is, uh, or points to is that which was is and will be. And anything that does not satisfy that test of reality, Uh, is not considered real with a capital R from the Vedantic point of view. And reality, God, truth, these are are synonyms in in the Vedantic philosophy. So there is no concept of somebody sitting up on a cloud somewhere, uh, creating the world and doing good to one person and bad to another person. There's no such thing. God is an interchangeable word for reality, which is indicated as that which always was, always is, and always will be
0: so that's a first assertion that, that we made within what God is and actually using language to define it. Can you go further and in the assertions that yeah. would answer such a question as what is God?
1: Yeah, so the, again and that <laughs> like that's a pointer, right? We we would it, we wouldn't say that that's a definition. It's just that it is pointing us in a, a direction to try to um, tune in intellectually to an extremely subtle concept of the very isness, right? So you can destroy uh, a diamond and it's carbon. You can destroy a pencil and it's the carbon is still there. You can all of these. You can you can break things down to their elements but there is an isness that is still there right uh, names and forms change but the isness is always there is the is the substratum of everything is the is Aldous Huxley always talked about is the ground of being there is an isness there is a beingness there is a, a fundamental existence which is uh, indestructible which always was always is and always will be and by definition this cannot have a definition because the moment anything has a definition it's destructible the moment anything has a quality it means it has a beginning it has an end um, so so these are not definitions these are just pointers uh, Uh, Another one. Yeah, go ahead, James.
0: How how do these pointers help?
1: They um, help you to uh, disassociate with the constant fixation upon the changing world. They create an awareness of a changeless substratum, uh, an eternal substratum, an eternal isness, which allows you to create a separation between yourself, your desires, your mind, and all of that, and, uh, and the changing world around you. This detachment is necessary to be able to go within in, intellectually, mentally, to, to look within and take the plunge towards the experience of reality. So they are, um, it, it's it these are these these pointers uh, attach us to no doubt it's another attachment but it's an attachment to a higher concept which creates a detachment from these the lower changing world as it were
0: in some, and let me know if there's feedback because these headphones are eight dollars but the the question that comes to mind is it's two two things. It's what what becomes problematic of a misapprehension of what God is, and then second is is a further exploration why it's important to see God as synonymous with reality, truth, as having no no beginning and end. So so basically what are the what's problematic around around misapprehension misapprehension of of this concept of god maybe maybe. many of us have have grown up up with the concept of almost like a genie genie. you pray to and to and get things from from. but then also also what is the practical application of of this version that you're giving us which is which which seems so abstract abstract. and so um impractical. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. The, the problem uh, with uh, the more sort of um, the more limited ideas of, of God of reality um, uh, is that um, it it creates a complacency, you know, and, and it's like, okay, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to put in any efforts uh, to gain that higher wisdom, to gain that higher knowledge. Um, because you know God's doing it for me I can just uh, I can just uh, pray for God to help me and I don't have to put in any effort and that's just not the reality. that's not truth. Uh, the whole purpose of human existence is to gain knowledge of yourself capital s a, a human birth alone is is. Uh, has the potential, a human being alone has the potential to gain the knowledge of the highest, to get to that ultimate experience, to to gain a finality. But this has to come through self-purification, sharpening our personality, putting in effort, just like all of the masters did before us. So it's much easier when uh, someone comes along and says, don't worry, I'll do it for you. And this, unfortunately, is what has happened. And in, in, uh, it's a good business model. If you know that everybody wants the ultimate peace, ultimate bliss, ultimate liberation, which is what everyone wants, and then you create a, a, a business, a.k.a. a religion, uh, where you just have to go and you know pay your tithes and offerings and, and it'll be done for you. Uh, this is the danger of it, uh, to, to understand God as a, a, a daddy in the sky who's going to handle everything for you if you behave. Right. And this is just not what it is. The, the all of these masters, Jesus, the prophet, the prophet Muhammad, Lord Buddha, uh, Lao Tzu, all the great masters of India over the last thousands of years or anywhere in the world. They all put in the effort to purify themselves and know the truth for themselves to gain the highest knowledge for themselves. And then other people come and build religions around those guys, but they're nothing but human beings. Anybody can become a, a Jesus Christ. Anybody can become a Buddha. In fact, that's what everyone is for. That's what you're here to do, not just to survive and, and uh, get by and reproduce in life. Uh, so so these limited ideas about what God is these and, and these limited worldviews are extremely destructive spiritually because they make us just uh, childlike. It childish, not child childlike is good. They make us childish, in the sense of of uh, I don't have to do anything; Daddy'll do it for me, right? Um, and and that's uh, that's dangerous uh, in a complacency situation.
0: We kicked off the the call ta- or the clubhouse talking about. And by the way, for everyone listening, these are just the conversations that Joseph and I have had for last five years that we decided uh, about a month ago to start making public so please feel free to join the club we're almost at a thousand members and, and it's been uh, uh, pretty remarkable to see the amount of interest in these these topics specifically these conversations that he and i would have weekly around vedanta and and philosophy philosophy so so one of the things that i have found we kicked the the clubhouse off with the it, off with it. the concept of, concept of another synonym for Vedanta being eternal, eternal principles. principles, and one of them one of them being, being uh, and it's just so it's just so useful. useful. Talk about practical. One of them being <laughs> being attach you lose, detach you gain, you gain. And, that and that being almost like a natural law. natural law, and in in actually being a natural okay. law, but, but almost like gravity, gravity you attach to something, something that very obsession attachment is the thing that can push it away. And often does. We know this in so many realms of our life. Um, dating, you want something too bad, you can't even enjoy it. And, uh, you push people away. You try to hang out with them too hard. And in that, in that, in that vein, it, it actually, um, uh, seems relevant here where if you treat god as this genie in a bottle that you pray to to get something in return it just seems to fortify your attachment or fortify a life of attachments that then then, according to uh, this being a natural law pushes these things away so it, so it in a way um, feel free to correct me where i might be getting this wrong it could seem that a misapprehension of what god is could lead to a distance more distance from what you want versus what you might think as you you um you know genuflect kneel, bow your head and you ask for something from this um this eternal being being
1: yeah, you're right. It's a good point. Um, and, and, uh, it'd be relevant to point out at, at this, at this juncture that, uh, one of the definitions of God, and I'll, I'll bring it back to what you're saying. One of the, the powerful definitions of God that, uh, we've learned from, from our teacher Swami Pvartasarthi is a God equals human being minus desires. God equals human being minus desires, uh, which of course is not a definition, of, but it is a pointer, like we've been saying. And uh, what you're saying, rightly so, is that if 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 we just approach God and religion and spirituality as you know a business transaction, then we never get to the the higher state that we're capable of getting to as human beings, which is the state of Godhood, which is the state of uh, infinite consciousness. It's pointed at in various ways, objectless awareness, infinite bliss, uh, absolute uh, fullness and satisfaction. This is God is a state of being that is arrived at through self-purification, self-growth, Uh, detachment by attaching to the higher and dropping the lower. God is a state of human being minus desires. You, me, minus our egoistic desires. And you're right. The way that it's understood, um, unfortunately, uh, probably more commonly, does definitely, uh, to your point, um, exaggerate our desires, which is the opposite of the point. That's That's not what it's supposed to be. You're right.
0: Okay, so we've 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 talked about the definitions, and maybe we maybe we I would love for you to just, to just go on a long form answer of rounding out definitions around the, around indefinable, the indefinable, as mm-hmm. the poets are uh, uh, they're wired to do to try to f the ineffable.
1: Yeah.
0: I know we're trying to define something that is um, impossible to define, and yet these pointers, the pointers end up becoming. End up becoming really really practical and helpful as they start to as they start to populate our minds so you've you touched on netting netting not this not this so almost a definition through negation if it can be defined it is not god it is by definition not the uh the limitless infinite infinite yeah and even using infinite is uh like just tra- changing the variables from x to god to infinite but then you went in, into a pretty practical realm of of saying that it is god is reality and reality is um, there's no beginning or end it is that which that which has always existed exists and will always exist so anything that perishes anything around us you can scan your room right now you can scan a thought a thought, desire any any Uh, Concept in your mind that has a beginning and end wouldn't be this, wouldn't be God. And then you mention it's God equals humans minus desires, which is a pretty radical right turn here, where you're saying that it, without desires, humans become God. Become God? Is that what you're saying?
1: Uh, Not become God in this, it's not like, uh, you know, you grow wings and and fly away. (laughs) What what Vedanta uh, really is saying is that you are that, you are that ultimate reality. You are God, you are the absolute consciousness, you are infinite, you are not limited to this body, mind, intellect uh, that you believe yourself to be. Uh, that is just ignorance it's an ignorant idea that I am limited only to this so God is, in the sense is your true self even now which is which is currently being uh, uh, we're, we're blocked by we're shielded from that wisdom from that experience from that understanding from that vision by our desires so it it's it's going back to the example we used earlier of the sitting on the hillside looking at the night sky uh the night sky is always there if we build some uh, limiting factor around ourselves we lose that vision so we built the structure all we've got to do is well not all we have to do i don't want to make it sound easy but you you remove the limiting structure of ignorance and what's revealed is what was always there which is the night sky and these are all pointers the best we can do is these metaphors uh, within ourselves, if we're able to remove the desires, remove the ignorance, uh, negate all of our limiting beliefs about ourselves and experience ourselves as the infinite unconscious as the infinite consciousness within, you will understand aham Brahmasmi, which is uh, one of the great four aphorisms that I am Brahman, I am the reality. I am truth. and it doesn't mean it's not that you would say, James is is God. You understand that you are God. You are not James. That's the ultimate. That is self-realization. That's God right, realization. Right.
0: Yeah. As you said before, it's not. It's not the embodiment of a monarchical king of the universe. It is the river becoming the ocean. The ocean. You don't don't become the ocean and, uh, and start directing the waves. You just realize that that's what you are. And. At least, according to this philosophy, I'm sure there are many people listening right now that that are somewhere on a spectrum of. This is either blasphemous. This is ridiculous. This is radical. This is um, so foreign. But in anywhere on that spectrum, it feels like it's. If you are listening, if you join the room, then then at least I can speak for myself. There is some anchor within this. No matter how small it might be, where this the truth kind of is speaking for itself, in that I'll speak for myself, in that you are saying that it's not. It is. It is indefinable. But also, it's kind of like trying to describe the ocean. It is impossible for me to define the ocean with you know the limited linguistic. Um, approach approach of describing, describing it. it, but it is something that can be experienced. You can experience it. I've experienced the ocean, but I would yeah. be lim- imp- it would be impossible for me to describe it to where Word. someone could experience it just with words. Words. So, so I I think that seems to be a pretty important aspect of this conversation of what is God, which in many ways is the only conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, what is reality? You know,
1: I, I, I think, uh, one, one sort of, uh, scenario also it, going back to your, you know, what is the practical use of it? Um, it, 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 an example would be like, okay, imagine if, um, you are, uh, unfortunately, I don't know, uh, homeless on the street and, um, having to beg for money every day. And, uh, you know, walking around uh, with penniless, with all kinds of uh, uh, concerns about your your health and where to sleep and what to eat and all of this, you know. Uh, and uh, somebody comes by and recognizes you and says, "Hey, James, uh, it's you, right, James?" You say, "Yeah, yeah, it's it's me." Uh, and and they say, well, "Why are you out here? You know, don't you know that you're a, you have a huge house in the hills? You're you're a millionaire." You know and you're like what are you talking about man i'm not a millionaire i'm i'm me i'm 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 struggling in the world i've had the issues i'm, I'm homeless like what are you talking about and you say no 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 no. your parents are so and so like you you did and somehow for whatever reason you've you maybe you had an accident or maybe you got amnesia or who knows what something has happened to where you've lost the on the knowledge of the fact that you are actually heir to a fortune, and you have a house and a family in the hills, you know, Uh, this person out of their compassion for you is coming and saying, James, you're not what you think you are, you're something else, come with me, come with me. And slowly they bring you and they you start to realize Oh, my God, and and you you start to remember Oh, yeah, I, I remember I'm actually this I, I have a huge home in the hills. I, I have a family. I, I, I'm not homeless. I'm not what I thought I was. How would you then view uh, it once you go back and, and take possession of what's yours and you gain true knowledge about your history and what you really are and what your real status is in life? If you went back and put on your old uh, sort of homeless clothes and you're walking around and, and, and just to see what it's like, Imagine the, the, the difference of your experience. This is what is described uh, by the self-realized masters. This is, what is, the, this is how the, the, realized, the God-realized masters that we study, who wrote all of these scriptures that we study, they're still walking around. They're still human beings uh, alive uh, talking about their experience. But they've gone and understood that they are much more than they thought they were. And they are completely unaffected by the things that used to absolutely uh, victimize them, you know. So you might even choose to go back and and, and live on the street and whatever it is, but you you would never be affected by it again. You would understand that you're, you would always know that actually I am. I am much more than this. I am I am safe in this this relative way. I'm just trying to make it into like a relative example. Hmm. So e- even before you sort of take possession of your mansion and your bank balance and whatever, even the suspicion, even the thought that wait, maybe I'm I'm more than this. Maybe I'm not just what I think I am. That is an extremely liberating thing even much before you are absolutely established in that, that higher state of being. And it's the same with us. It's the same with this knowledge of self, with this knowledge of reality. Even the suspicion, as you say, that little anchor, even that little suspicion that I am uh, more than just me, more than just me with my, my birthday and my death day, my attachments and my problems and my hopes and my dreams and my failures and my successes and all that, if I am more than this, then it gives you a objectivity to your life, uh, a perspective to your life that, long before self-realization, long before you attain Buddhahood and understand yourself as the infinite reality, long before that, you enjoy, um, as as our teacher Swami says, a bit of elbow room, you know, uh, a bit of, of objectivity, a bit of detachment that makes you less affected by every change that happens in life, which is constant. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I think it's it's worth mentioning that we do have, uh, we're fortunate that Swamiji decided to write another book um, into when he was 90, he wrote a, he wrote a book. He's 95. Now he wrote a book called thesis on God and that entire book, is nothing but pointers towards what is God, what is reality, and uh, it's such a great thing to, to study because, as you know, you just finished it yesterday, that mm-hmm. text in in the online course. It 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 as you think, so you become. So as we read a book like *Thesis on God*, for example, by Swami Swamiji, um, you get you get attached to that higher thought and you begin to really suspect that I'm not this limited person. I, maybe I do have that more secure, more permanent, uh, spiritual wealth than I'm currently experiencing.
0: And for anyone interested, all the resources that we mentioned is yoga for your or yfyi.co the, the, okay. So, okay, so to round out the conversation, uh, which I think we've I think we, we've essentially defined god here um, um, to round out the conversation and to make it practical yet well yet obviously the attempt is to tackle the biggest subject there is if one begins to entertain uh, trying to answer this question of what is god what is god i wanted to bring up the first and last word of the of the bhagavad gita dharma mama you're going to almost um, the, uh, the essence of the Bhagavad Gita, the 2,500-year-old, 700-line poem and dialogue, dialogue that, in many ways, is a cornerstone of, of a billion—well, billion. <laughs> well, 1.2 billion people that uh, that identify as Hindu—revere Hindu. This, Revere this this dialogue. dialogue. And it's a dialogue between a a warrior prince and his charioteer. It's a 30-minute conversation. But the first word is dharma, and the last word is mama. In many ways, you can uh, boil down the message of the the Gita to dharma, mama. And that comes to mind as you're talking about this this question that people... We started the conversation around trying to answer this question of what is God? And now we're slowly wading into territory of more of who is God, and the answer being you listening to this right now, which is obviously for many people, especially in the West, will be the most radical possible answer. And yet, and yet, if I were to ask anyone, what is the best possible news I could ever, you could ever receive? The best possible news anyone could ever give you. It would be the, con- the 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 topic we're talking about right now. But um, do you mind elaborating on on this concept of the Bhagavad Gita being you uh, that you can boil it down to these two words, dharma
2: mama.
1: Yeah, sure. So the, the first the beginning of the Bhagavad Gita set starts with dharma shetre and the, the last word is is mama. So mama means my. Uh, uh, and Dharma means, in that context, the way we're talking about it now, anyway, uh, essential nature. So the the whole point of the Bhagavad Gita is pointing us towards what we truly are, towards our our essential self, towards the true I, the I am, as it is in in the Bible. You know, I am that I am. It's pointing us towards our essential nature, and says ultimately. That thou art, you are that God. You are that consciousness. You are that co- you are that spirit. That is what you are, not the body, mind, intellect that you believe yourself to be. You are the self, capital S. You are that universal consciousness. That's that's what your true nature is, and that's also uh, uh, what where where God is to be found, as it were, is within yourself. Not outside yourself, not in in something external to you, but in the most intimate inner sanctum of your own self. That is that is where uh, that is where God is to be found, and that and that's the experience that actually everybody wants. And this is what you're saying is it's the best news. Everybody in their heart of hearts, in the deepest part of themselves, knows that what they really want is infinite. They may not have have. Concluded that they may not have 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 really cognized it But if you analyze what you want what I want what anybody wants is ultimately to return to the state of infinite of infinity uh, Whether we're pursuing name fame power position status Enough is never enough and that's a symptom. That's because Our true nature is infinite and in our deepest self. We know it and uh, that's what the, the Gita is telling us. It's just saying, instead of trying to find it externally, understand that you are that now and the way to find it is within yourself. And that's the that's what we mean when we say that God is an experience. God is a state of being. <clears throat> it's an awakening. It's an awakening out of uh, the, the relative plane of existence and ex- knowing yourself as you are. The great Ramana Maharshi very famously said, be as you are. And as you are is God.
0: I think that is a fitting place to open it up for any Q&A that people might have. And if there aren't any questions, then we did our job of answering the question. (laughs) No, I'm sure Uh, there are nothing but questions in people's minds. I think for those that... I don't want to just want to hear, hear two guys on, on clubhouse talking, clubhouse about, talking it. about it thesis on god is such a great capendium on this on this and it's a very brief read but certainly a the best read i've i've heard on this topic topic and written by someone that is devoted his life to answering this question for 90 years writes it at as a 90 year old um and uh, yeah, you can, you can find those links through yogaforyourintellect.com. But for those that have questions here now, feel free to jump on up, raise your hand, and come on up and ask Joseph.
3: Go ahead, Rob. Welcome. Hey, thanks, guys. Um, I just wanted to to clarify something that you that you said at the end, like that that is. It seems like the desire that we have, or the yeah, basically the hunger that we have, is to. To be infinite, infinite, so to speak, so to speak right? Speak. Yeah. And it seems to me like, like when people say that, they mean like they want to extend their conscious experience infinitely, or something of the, along those lines. But what what exactly is what you mean by when you say we are infinite?
1: Yeah, yeah. That that's that is the whole question, right? And and uh, as said. You know these are all pointers uh, it, it's like um, it's like in mathematics if you want to find a point that you don't have the coordinates for you draw arcs you know and if you draw enough arcs uh, arcs on the, you know like on the XY graph if you draw enough arcs uh, you'll eventually get an idea of the roughly where the point is but you never actually pinpoint what it is. Uh, so even this concept that you and I that you're asking about that we're talking about, uh, uh, saying that what pe- that what people want to be infinite, that itself is 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 an arc. It's it's just a pointer. So we can't say exactly what it is. But um, I I think one way to to talk about it is um, our original nature is infinite, right? Our original nature. This is just a this is just a maxim in Vedanta. This is just a a fundamental truth that Vedanta puts out and it says kind of take it or leave it. You know, you, um, you, uh, you, it it gives you this idea and it says you need to reflect upon it and either accept it or not. Uh, and what it says is that your original nature, my original nature is infinite. Uh, So it's compared to, um, if you take like a coil spring, you know, like a a spring from a bed or even like an industrial spring and you press it down, the, the nature of that spring is to constantly have a pressure in it, a pressure to get to release itself. And as you as you press on it, you feel that pressure against your hand. As you release your hand, the pressure in the spring becomes less. And as you release it more, it becomes less and release it more, it becomes less. There's always that pressure. There's always that need, that internal pressure to get uh, more to get. Back to its original nature and only when the spring uh, reaches its original nature only at that point is it at rest at that point is there no pressure and Vedanta says look your nature is infinite your, your nature is infinite and until you get back to the state of infinity until you reach that state you will have a pressure and that pressure comes in the form of desires for this or that a little more power, a little more name, a little more fame, a little more money, a little more, whatever. And that's actually just uh, uh, looking in the wrong direction for what we already are. So you can try to, to alleviate the pressure by collecting more things, but you'll never get to the infinite. So instead of that, it says, remove the desires themselves, get after the desires themselves, and you will be in your original nature, which is infinite.
0: I think something that's held me and might be worth calling out is that it is in the direction of name, fame, power, status, money, those, those accumulation of desires aren't just like 30 degrees off, but as this pointer goes, they're the exact opposite direction. Not in some like just platitude of like, you know, get rid of desire and, and, um, You'll, you'll find peace, but quite literally, that desire is the contract you have with yourself to be agitated until you get it. And if you're seeking the wrong thing, it is like a junkie going further down the rabbit hole um, and, and anyone objectively, rationally watching from the outside saying that is the, the exact opposite thing that you want. That you deep down genuinely want, and maybe that's that's helpful for you, Robin. And the other thing I'll underscore that Joseph talks quite a bit about, and and, uh, and our teacher talks quite a bit about, is that it is an experience. It's more like trying to use words to describe a verb, like running. You, I can't use words to describe it. It is an experience, but that doesn't mean it isn't knowable. It is knowable, but it's uh, it is. Uh, really damn hard to try to uh, describe it with using words.
3: Thanks, Rob. You're True, good. Thanks. Thanks. Yep. Thanks. Thanks. Gotcha. Yeah. I was just uh, basically wondering how that concept of infinity would be different from what a scientist would tell you, for instance, like if you, if, if you mean to say that we are part of some a whole that is infinite, that I, like a scientist would agree with you. Like, but where would you disagree? Right.
1: Uh, I see. Yeah. So, um, True, uh, but uh, the 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 infinity and the eternity of, of the universe, uh, for example, does not pass the test of reality. So we're talking about uh, this is where that test of reality is is so important for us to to um, understand the, the infinite, the eternal. Um, these are the, the, the fundamental existence itself is not dependent upon the existence of the universe. The universe is, however, dependent upon the existence of the fundamental reality, the fundamental existence. So uh, science for sure will go uh, quite far, uh, of course, in terms of its understanding of the infinite and, and and in terms of material things. But you can't measure with science the existence of existence itself. And that's what Vedanta is is trying to talk about. so in that way it would differ
0: Um, I I think they and there's a chance they're going in the same direction and and may end up in the same place I think there's a a Joseph you know Yash as well the Oxford trained mathematician uh, mutual friend of ours and he was explaining to me that there's this this newer concept that's being developed called the transcendental infinity that is purely mathematical this has nothing to do with philosophy although it they are merging. Um, Rob, to your question that there is this concept being uh, developed of infinite infinities called the transcendental infinity. So you can not have mathematically two infinities, five infinities, a um, hundred infinities, infinity to the hundredth power. But the infinite infinities would be, um, again, limitation of language, but in this direction of this transcendental infinity, which... Just is is the infinite of all infinities. That and, and I would I don't know, Joseph, correct me if I'm wrong, but gets towards this direction of what you're talking about of the beginningless and endless. It's not just a infinite universe, um, but the infinite of infinites.
3: Neti
0: Yeah. Thanks guys. Maybe. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Thanks. <laughs>
1: We had a few others, uh, but they're not coming up. They raise their hands and then they don't come up. And I, I, If anyone else has any questions,
0: come on. And Rob if, you have any others,
1: Rob, if you have any
0: others, feel free. Sure. As long as, I mean, if there's somebody else, I'll just uh, if there's somebody else.
1: I'll
3: just, uh, give them the, the space. Uh, but in the meantime, so then the yeah, go question ahead. is, go ahead, let's Rob. say that it's something that it's, uh, like a semantic primitive. You cannot explain it without experiencing it like call it like redness or something like that. Right. So the, the question that follows automatically is how to reach that experience basically. Right. Right. Great.
1: Great. That's it. Uh, so your fundamental nature being pure consciousness, uh, the, what is limiting you is your thoughts and desires. Uh, Pearl, can you mute yourself? Sorry. Uh, I don't know how to. I'm not able to do it. There you go uh, Yeah, so the and, and this isn't just Vedanta. I mean uh, he, all of them uh, Lord Buddha said all life is suffering Suffering is caused by desire uh, The the yoga sutras define true yoga in the sense that that experience of the infinite Not we're not talking about stretching and stuff. We're talking about the experience of the infinite. That's the true yoga that's defined in the yoga sutras as yoga, uh, which literally means yoga is the cessation of mental agitation. So uh, Vedanta, uh, all of these, the yoga philosophies, all of them say, the when you are able to bring the thoughts to absolute stillness, what is left is your pure consciousness. And that pure consciousness is already, and will always be infinite and eternal. So it's a matter of removing the limitation. It's not about creating anything or adding anything on or, or, or or another experience. It's about getting past experience, getting free from experience. Uh, And that's done by removing the experiencer and the experienced and the experiencing and you say, Okay, but what about me? What's left of me? What's left of you is your true self. This is what Vedanta says. And this is where the faith aspect comes in, uh, the, which is based on a lot of reason, which is based on uh, thousands of years of these masters uh, talking and, and guiding us. And they say, not to worry. Remove all the, des- the desires. You're, you will be in that absolute state. And that state itself equals God. God is a state of being. It's not a separate entity or something measurable like science will do this is the 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 permanent limitation of science, it cannot go to something that is it that it cannot measure it is a this is a subjective awakening, a subjective apprehension. In fact, Vedanta begins where science ends. The very word Vedanta means beyond knowledge beyond science beyond understanding. But we use science, we use logic, we use reason, uh, to move in that, in that direction. Uh, Parle's here. Uh, Parle's a Vedanta teacher colleague in London and, uh, has something to say. Go ahead, Paral.
2: Hi. Thanks, Jeff. Um, thanks for having me up here. Sure. Um, well, being ref- in reference to the idea of infinite, um, something's infinite, it's got nowhere to go because it covers all areas possible. So when we talk about the idea of infinite in terms of the damper, it's something beyond anything which is um, physical, emotional, intellectual. It's beyond all of them, beyond all those parameters. And as Joe has just mentioned now, it's a subjective apprehension. It's not a objective Comprehension, whereas science deals with the physical, it's always limited to the world of change, and this is talking about something beyond change, something that's permanent. So, in that respect, what we're after is infinite permanence. We say paripurna, full, complete, that Godhead as a matter of words language is always limited in this scenario and um, just a an analogy to think upon is say you have a cloud in front of the sun the sun is always there without the sun this whole universe wouldn't exist but the cloud sometimes masks it over so that we don't really even realize it's there But if you actually remove the clouds, which in Vedanta we might equate to as our desires, we actually figure out, we find out what actually is already there the sun. And in terms of our being or mission to get to that state of infinite or Godhood or whatever you want to call it, we're just removing our desires to get there. That's the idea. Cool. Thank you. Yeah.
0: I appreciate That's it. That's great, Pearl. And I've got to jump for dad duty right now, but Joseph will continue to own the room.
1: All right, brother James. See you around. Uh, Rob, you okay? Yes.
3: Yes. All good. Thanks. Yes. yes, yes. All good.
1: I mean, okay. I, I will uh, always
3: have a thousand off. questions. So. <laughs>
1: yeah. Come back. Come back every Friday, Rob, and uh, check out yoga for your for more, uh, for more stuff. And, Follow us and all that good. All that's great. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. Uh, Samar, go ahead.
4: Hi, Joseph. Thank you uh, for having me up. Um, I just wanted to quickly respond to Rob, if that's okay with you. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, right, yeah. And also, after, just present maybe an alternate uh, perspective to the way I understand. Uh, Vedas. Uh, firstly, Rob, uh, you know what we call the consciousness or awareness. Uh, the way my teacher uh, made me understand it is that um, uh, you're related to what space is, right? And just imagine in a room, there are empty vessels, and inside empty vessels, there's space. Uh, and there are multiple vessels, but it's not separate space. Uh, it is just one space, and those vessels are occupying that part of the space, but the space itself is just one. Uh, So essentially what we are is a sea of consciousness. Uh, Each of us having an avatar occupying our place in the sea of consciousness uh, to have the experiences that we are here to have. Um, And that is the way to understand uh, what we are and how we are infinite. Um, So yeah, I just wanted to respond to that, A. Um, B. Joseph, you've been uh, talking about desire, and I've uh, heard many of the masters, especially in India, talk about uh, the state of desirelessness. Um, But here's my perspective on this, is that uh, the beginning of creation and the realm that we live in uh, actually started with, with nothing but a desire. The desire of all that is to experience itself experientially not in just the knowledge of what it is and the only way that is possible is not in absoluteness uh, but in duality it is only when we experience what we are not do we become aware of what we are and what you referred to neti neti right so desire itself uh, according to me is not bad right uh, in fact, uh, I find um, when you try and resist some something, it persists. So when you have a desire for something, it's not bad at all. Uh, by all means, if it's uh, if if it works for you and that's something you want to strive in this life, I think one should go ahead. Uh, but it'll be with those experiences of what we are not. And by eliminating those experiences and understanding that this is not fulfilling, do we come to a state of realization of what we are? For me, it's a process of elimination, 1880, right? Um, and the desire usually goes away after you've experienced something and realize that this is not for you. And Jim Carrey actually very famously says that, I wish every human being becomes rich and famous uh, because once you do, you will realize that this is not something you should strive for. Uh, but if you have a desire and you try to resist it, it will persist. Uh, I think vairagya, the uh, the state of desirelessness, uh, which we refer to in the Vedas, uh, is a state of actually having realized something bigger. And when you realize something bigger, that which is of lesser value or re- lesser satisfaction, um, automatically loses its value, and it, it is this process that we have multiple and infinite number of lives that we come and go, and and and, and it's uh, it can ha- happen in a moment, and uh, you know. It, people talk about all the things that you have to do. Uh, Essentially, um, um, I believe that uh, you can realize that in a moment and uh, you never know, you could have done all your sadhana's in the past lives um, and it is in this life that that you you will realize it. But uh, for me, uh, I think desire is important uh, because you also need to have the desire to be one with all that is Uh, and that also is a desire. So don't run away from it, Uh, become aware of it, recognize it, experience it, and then eliminate what is not for you and move on to the higher thought of yourself and who you are and what you want to be. And ultimately, you'll reach that uh, oneness that that, uh, everyone is seeking. Thank you, uh, Joseph, for giving me the opportunity to present uh, my perspective.
1: Thank you, uh, Simar. That was great. Uh, Kyle, go ahead. Love
5: your room, and uh, yeah, the intellect's very important because it's really simple.
1: God is love. What does that mean? Um, we will take uh, an intellect to learn about learn that, about and that. then, and then, also, it will take embodied cognition to actually experience it. And without that, it's just words. It's just opinions. It's just attachments to ideologies and views. And uh, love you for having this room. Thanks, Kyle. That's that's great. Of course, uh, great point. Thank you so much. Uh, Satya, go ahead.
6: Uh, namaste, all. namaste all, all. I wanted to convey to us, was as you have said just now, each now, and every person, every person thinks that he or she is part of the, part of the infinity. So automatically, the so desires will come down any sort of uh, what you call hair trade nothing of those things will be there the entire world can be in a peaceful uh, atmosphere thank you
2: um, as joseph was talking about earlier you can find all the concepts and the ideas and the values in the Vedanta treaties and in the thesis of god written by swami Bhattasafi.
1: Uh, absolutely, part of the, the Vedanta treatise is a, a wonderful um, compendium of this entire philosophy, and even these, you know, these these discussions are, are really pointers themselves. Uh, and for a real serious understanding of the Vedantic worldview, um, there are very few texts like Vedanta treatise uh, that capture the whole thing. And and they move from the it moves from the simplest to the subtlest ideas in a really a systematic way that. Uh, we definitely recommend folks uh, get a hold of if, if you're interested in in the total understanding Uh pinder go ahead
6: yeah yeah uh, thank you joseph thank you uh so i just came into the room and actually kyle had my friend kyle had sent me a link so i just clicked the link and all of a sudden i was in this room and i raised my hand and immediately accepted the request so Thank you. So, uh, the share is about what is God, right? Uh, Joseph, am I right? Right, yeah, Joseph? Yeah, Joseph? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I would see that I am it, or I am God. Th- this realization arises when. The, the I am collapses and only the it <laughs> <It's laughs> stays, only the God stays. But itchies. the strange thing is that if I collapse, I collapse, then the God will also collapse. Because for the God, God to exist, I also God. need to exist. Now, where yeah, I am not I there, am not there uh, don't mind. Your mic is echoing, Joseph T. Joseph T. Uh, Joseph ji, okay, thank you. So, for him to exist, I need to exist, and for I to exist, him needs to exist. If he does not exist, then I also does not. Ex- I also does not does not exist, and if I does not exist, and he also does not exist, but still someone exists, but still something exists, and that something is actually nothing and the strangest part is that that nothing is actually everything and everywhere that is the strangest part and frankly speaking if i also do not exist and he also do not exist in that state words will also not will not exist hence the perfect term to describe him would be undescribable because words will never justify him at all, at all. In fact, undescribable, this term also does not describe him fully. No words can describe him. No words can justify. Thank you.
1: Lovely. Lovely, Pushpinder. And, and uh, I think you wonderfully demonstrated, yes, the uh, ineffability, the the indescribability of God and... and um, uh, yeah, that's, we were talking about that at the beginning of the the club and you might like to, uh, the replays are on. So you can hear the discussion at the beginning, um, where, uh, we were saying exactly what you're saying that, um, God is, is unknown and will ever be unknown, but, uh, the uniqueness and the greatness of Vedanta philosophy and all the, the other, uh, the, the other philosophies that came out of Vedanta is that they they do point towards that, but it is an experience and, and you described it um, you described it wonderfully. so thank you so much. Um, so uh, I thought we had someone else but uh, they hadn't come up yet. Uh, Here's one. okay. Uh, Armish, let me bring you up and um, he's now a speaker. Uh, go ahead Armish. yes.
7: Thanks thanks Joseph. So I uh, I do not have a comment, but uh, we just have a question. So, so the, this God you uh, guys were talking about. So, uh, just want to understand: uh, Does it follow? Does it he, she, or whatever, whatever that entity is? Uh, does it uh, follow the laws of nature, or it surpasses the laws of nature? Uh, I mean, if can it move more than the speed of light, or it has, or it has to follow the laws which it created how how, how do you guys define it? how do you put it there and and the second question, the second I, question I have know. i have is basically if if something is so if if something is so indescribable and vague what's the utility of that i i understand like um, in, in medieval era and before that there was a utility because people uh, used to Because because the average human lifespan was so miserable and short that uh, people found relief in knowing that things are not in their control and it was easy to put their faith in something uh, also indescribable. But what's the utility of that indescribable now? I'm sorry, I just have these two questions.
1: No, no, don't be sorry. Thank you, Amish. Uh, great questions. And uh, as I mentioned a, a minute ago, um, if you weren't there at the beginning of the this uh, this this uh, room today, uh, definitely I encourage you to go back and listen to the uh, replay, um, uh, which we, where we were talking about uh, what you're asking now. Uh, so, is first of all, you're asking is is God um, subject to the laws of nature? Uh, not at all. God is is that. In which, okay, <laughs> anytime we say God is, uh, we should understand. There's just no better way to say it. It's just a pointer. Uh, God is indicated by Vedanta is that in which the laws of nature exist, is is that in which the universe exists. So it, it, one of the pointers is if you imagine an infinite ocean, of, of and, and within this infinite ocean there's a bubble somewhere way out in the middle of the ocean, there's a, a bubble that's floating. That's the entire created universe uh, and everything in it and all the laws of physics and speeds of light and everything and all that. Uh, the, the very existent uh, existence of things is, is that is the, the, the pointer towards what that reality is. And as a uh, push was saying, it's a, uh, it's permanently ineffable. We can't know what that is, but, through uh, through all of this logic and reason and philosophy, we can come to the conclusion that there is some eternal, infinite ground of being, some fundamental existent principle underlying everything, but it is in no way uh, subject to any laws of science or, or uh, nature or anything like that. And it, it's not a who. You were asking about who is that person? What There's no... It's not a male. It's not female. It's, it has no uh, individuality. There's no such thing. It is existence itself. It is the very uh, uh, irreducible aspect of existence. When you boil everything down, you remove everything. It's not, um, it's not nothing. Uh, it's something. And it seems like nothing, but that nothing is something. And, and without that, nothing could be, but things are. Therefore, it is. Um, now, w- what is the uh, what is the um, James had asked earlier this question as well. Uh, what what is the um, what is the value of this this idea? The value of this idea is that it expands your intellect. If you and it's not just hearing it once. Vedanta is a study practice. Vedanta. This is why we call it yoga for your intellect. You don't just do yoga once. You don't just go to yoga class once and say, OK, now I've done yoga and expect to have the benefits of yoga. You routinely go through the the physical yoga practices to make your body healthier, fitter, stronger, whatever you want. In the same way, when we apply our intellect consciously uh, with effort uh, in a systematic scientific way, ideally under the guidance of a teacher, whether directly or indirectly, maybe following their their structure like Swami Swamiji's. Um, online program that he offers for example when you do that regularly when you expand your intellect on a daily basis and and work towards accommodating this idea of god of the infinite of the eternal what it does is makes you more objective it makes you less affected by all of the change in the world so you might uh, an example might be like okay um all that, the people that go to the space station, the astronauts, right? They all come back and they, for a while they say, uh, after I got back, I, I didn't see any borders. When I got back, I, I saw the world in a, in a different light. They, they saw all the pettiness as it, as it is, as petty and small and, and not worthy of uh, getting their blood pressure going for, right? They, they had a, they, I think they call it something like the, the overwatch effect, and that's just seeing the world from the space station, right? When you start to see your life in the world and all of creation from the balcony of truth, from the point of view of the infinite, when you do that, your life becomes extremely clarified. You get extreme uh, clarity and perspective on all of the things that might otherwise cause great distress even your own birth and death, even the birth and death of loved ones. It's not that you become cold and harsh and don't feel anything, but you understand everything exactly as it is. And it it becomes ironically extremely practical to get your thoughts into the higher, into the infinite every day, ideally early morning, four or 5. AM sit down and study Vedanta, uh, which is, you know, that, that that's what we're trying. We hope that folks get inspired by by this club to do is to take up a daily yoga for your intellect uh, practice. You okay, Armish?
7: Sure. Thanks. Sure, thanks, just for the answer. Uh, my, my I, I just had a follow, up, had for a follow, the follow up for the first question. <laughs> question. Sure. So, just want to understand to... Uh, the. Go- All of this is uh, you're saying that it's it's God's creation. Or you're not saying that it's not its creation, it's just that it's someone else created all of this and God just exists uh, out there. Are you saying that or are you saying that it's actually its creation? Because if it's it's God.
1: Uh, No, we're not saying this is God's creation. This whole thing is a creation of your mind. Okay, so the, whole, okay so the experience of, of this world, yourself, this universe is a is a projection of your mind, is ultimately which we haven't gotten into yet this morning, but since you're asking, God is not a creator. There's no creator, there is no entity sitting outside creating you. The very presence of God allows for creation. It's like this it's like, okay. If you have a, a bucket of water in your backyard or a, a maybe a fish pond, it's never going to create waves, right? But if you go to the ocean, you'll see waves are created by the very vastness itself of the ocean. But you, go, you can't go to the ocean and say, hello, Mr. Ocean, uh, why did you create that beautiful wave today? The ocean is not creating waves, but the very existence of the ocean allows waves to occur. You understand, and so it's the very presence of of consciousness itself, the very existence of existence itself, that is the substratum of creation. But there is no there is no God creating anything. That has, that's not that's not happening in Vedanta.
7: So, so You're saying the so consciousness, consciousness, consciousness is uh, 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 an eternal, eternal field. It's not it's the not the emerging property of brain.
1: Uh, no, no, it has nothing to do with the brain. The brain is, consciousness is is existing far beyond and before and during and after the brain. Consciousness is that you can't create, uh, try to create consciousness. In fact, even if you ask the neuroscientists, they call, they call consciousness, they say it's the hard problem of consciousness. They have no uh, idea how the brain comes up with consciousness. This is why I say Vedanta starts where science ends. Vedanta grants the existence of consciousness as a fundamental a priori truth. It is eternal. It always was. It always is. It always will be. Because of that presence of the consciousness, the everything else exists. So, no, uh, the consciousness has nothing to do with the brain. The brain is like a, is like a, a radio receiver. It, it simply uh, receives signals. It is not the creator of thoughts nor, and certainly not the creator of consciousness. These things are subtler than the physical matter, which science can never touch because it can't measure it.
7: Well, I, I, think uh, I, I think I respect your respect opinion, your opinion. Uh, but there is a paper called "Information Closure the theory, theory of Consciousness" where people, people actually—it's—it's it's a good it's paper a to, good look into, to look it's into. It's it came in 2019 when scientists say that um, consciousness. So they accept that we do not have, do not have, access, have to access to information at, information at individual neuron level, neuron level, but at certain core grain level, 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 the, the consciousness, consciousness starts to emerge. So they have actually started so cracking that. But anyways, but anyways, we all have different opinions, and Vedanta. Actually, I believe it's an ant of Vedas and the starting of the starting initials and uh, and that's that's where, uh, because the document, uh, th- that's what I heard and uh, I, not I believe, but I think more, most of the people say is that, okay, there were a lot of jargons uh, in Vedas which, pe- not, which people were not able to relate it to, just to simplify it and to put short pointers people came up with upanishads so that's that's the, the i mean maybe i may, I may be wrong in c- completely understanding what what they meant but yeah uh anyways i think i'm done with my question so thank you for thank the, you for
1: thank the. you Amish. great uh omni uh go ahead omni hey how's it
7: going, hey,
8: how's it going? How's it
1: going man? good good
8: thank you all right so would, would consciousness only be contained on earth, earth? So let's oh, no. say you yeah. hey, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. So, so here's my question. Here's so questions. science saying about a couple billion years, four billion years that the sun would get to the point where it would consume mm-hmm. consume the three inner planets, inner planets. You know, that's what science, that's say. what science so, says. So so once that happens, <laughs> <Once that> happens <laughs> would consciousness cease to exist? Because everything that is on Earth, you know, that, that's everything that's always been. So consciousness cease to exist at that time?
1: Uh, no, not at all. So uh, consciousness is is described uh, in, is pointed at by Vedanta as nitya, which means eternal. Eternal means eternal. It's not uh, whether the universe exists or not. The very field of existence itself, in which things arise and to which they des- into which they dissolve, is the consciousness. Is the the reality itself. It has nothing to do with the material universe. It is not. It is not matter. It is not made of matter. Therefore it's not subject to the laws of matter. The laws of earth, the laws of of, of physics, these are all material laws. Uh, they these are these have nothing to do with consciousness. Consciousness is something other than matter. There's spirit and matter, as it were. You can understand it that way, is spirit. The very fact that things is, the very the very Isness, which uh, Omni, if if the very isness had not been there in the first place, then creation cannot arise, and creation cannot arise. And but creation has arisen, as it were. There is, there are things existing in our experience. Therefore, if you work backwards, isness must have been there. That fundamental isness is is of the nature of consciousness. That's all we're saying, and even calling it consciousness is not correct, is not, is not a definition. None of us should go home today and say, okay, or, or I guess we're probably already home or whatever. No, none of us should turn off the phone today and say, I've understood God uh, is consciousness. Uh, existence is, is consciousness. No, no. We still have not defined what it is because it remains indefinable. But the, the, one of the powerful pointers that, that the Vedanta philosophy offers is that existence is of the nature of consciousness. So one of the one of the great aphorisms in, in Vedanta says "Pragnanam Brahma, which means this Brahman, this reality, is consciousness. It's it's made it is a conscious existent principle. It has nothing to do with time, space, causation. It's it's beyond them both, and it in fact supports all of those things.
8: So would that so is with this, this, be aware aware of itself? itself?
1: Awesome. Awesome question, man. Gosh, that's so cool. Oh, that's inspiring, Omni, um, that you've got there. Um, yes, absolutely. It is, It is is self-effulgent. That's one of the other pointers. So I, I really encourage, I'm not here to sell books. I'm really not. But uh, my teacher, Swami uh has this book, Thesis on God, which we were talking about earlier. And uh, it, it has all these various pointers about trying to understand what, what what God is, what consciousness is, what the self is, and uh, yes, what you 're saying is is one of the the really powerful ones is that it is self effulgent it is self illuminating, and throughout the Bhagavad Gita um, uh, throughout the Bhagavad Gita this uh, this idea that that everything else needs an external light to be seen, but the consciousness is is light within itself. It sees within itself. It is, it is aware of itself, yeah. So, great question, so, man,
8: thank you. So therefore, if, if the isness, and I'm only saying isness because what you
1: used. The, oh, the sorry, on the on page. Page. I didn't hear you very well. Go ahead.
8: No, I'm saying, um, so if the, is, if the isness is aware of itself, wouldn't then the isness be in turn a creator because if it's aware it would have to be able to create everything else to be aware of themselves so wouldn't that be a creator or no uh
1: so yeah awareness is not is not um (laughs) when we say aware of awareness it's not that it's not a thought it is self-aware but it doesn't mean that it has, there's nothing other than it to create. So creation means I am separate from my creation, which is why we resist that that definition of God, or, or why Vedanta doesn't, uh, uh, I guess, uh, exceed to that definition. It's because it gives the idea that I am here and I am creating my sandwich. You know, I am here and I'm, I'm I'm creating my my product and in that way uh, Vedanta says no, everything is essentially God and God is essentially everything uh, and and that reality that consciousness that God has the quality of, of self-awareness
8: so are you arguing the point that you know there is no one God or there is no God or that there is <laughs>
1: Man, you're good. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you there is no God in the way that people understand God just casually speaking, right? Like the guy on the, the cloud, right? But when people ask me, do I believe in God? I say, I don't believe in anything else.
8: Well, I don't believe that, you know, people... <laughs> Necessarily assume that you know God is sitting on a cloud or whatever the case may be because our minds can't even fathom. If the universe is infinite and the universe supposedly has a creator, there's no way our minds would even be able to fathom, you know, what that would be. You know what I mean? And um, I don't think you you answered my question. Do Do you believe that there is a God or there isn't? It's it's, it's yes yes or no. And then um, I, I, I yield my mic.
1: Uh, yes, I definitely believe that there is a God, and I'll go a step further and say I believe there is only God, and everything else is an illusion. Okay, uh, I use my mic. Thanks, Omni. Awesome, man. That was great. Uh, go ahead, Jack. Yes, uh, well, I was listening to your basically
5: uh, speech on God, and I was going to ask you, that what is your argument for the existence of God? I mean... Yeah, you started describing God as the way it is, or you may want it to be, but uh, what's the proper argument for, for its existence?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, there's probably better philosophers than me. Uh, it's, not, it's not so much an argument, uh, who, you know, people who could answer better, but um, it, it's just an observation. It, it, there is a fundamental fact that you exist. You are aware that you exist You know that you exist. There's an existence. And that existence points to the idea that there must, that existence must be. And uh, that existence must be there for manifestation of existence that we're experiencing as ourselves in the world to, to be there. And that existence, therefore, is what Vedanta is pointing to as God. But just uh, to be clear, I, I'm not sure if you've been here for the, the whole uh, two hours, but the, uh, ex- when we're talking about there existing a God, we're not talking about uh, some a being that's other than us that's, uh, the, that is somehow creating everything. There's nothing like that. We're just pointing to the fact that there is an underlying substratum to things And Vedanta and those who have experienced God in its pureness and have experienced reality in its pure form are the the teachers of of this Vedantic tradition that go back thousands and thousands of years. And um, they tell us that when you remove all limitation, when you remove all uh, desire and ego and remove all of the, the personality characteristics of yourself, what, what we would think of as nothing is actually profoundly something, and it's infinite and consciousness. And so for me, it's it's both a combination of faith as well as reason, but there is definitely an element of faith in there. And uh, that respect for this this 10,000-year-old tradition, uh, not to speak of uh, our, our teacher who directly uh, talks about the existence of reality as a matter of experience. Those are the those are the things that um, some of the ideas, I think, that that give uh, that give me conviction anyway. Uh, but uh, there is no, that I'm aware of, I don't know that there is an absolute, uh, uh, absolutely um, perfect proof of right. uh, the existence of an absolute reality. Go ahead. Yes. All right. True. Uh, but let's just
5: stay away a little from basically the argument for existence of God and the rationality of it. And talk about uh, the existence of evil in the world. So what is a justification for existence of evil in the world? Now you see that there are two kinds of evils in the world. Now the first evil is uh, the evil which we are the cause of it. And there is a relationship of cause and effect. And we are the creator of that evil and pain. And there's a second evil, which is a natural phenomenon, which of which we have no basically dominance. So, what is a justification for existence of such an evil, which basically causes pain to a man? I mean, if there's a pure evil, is it is
1: it evil? Is it is an earthquake evil? Is a tornado evil? Or is it a part of the yeah, world? I
5: mean, I mean, yeah, I was I was watching a video yesterday, and I saw that. Uh, it was in basically I don't know where it was, but there were some displaced people, and because the earthquake had hit them before, and they were basically settled uh, pretty much uh, in a place that looked like a desert, and mm-hmm. and the float camp, These people were displaced, and they were living in they were living in basically uh, the tents, and uh, they were displaced people, and they had lost everything that they had, all of their property and anything that they had. So they were living in. Uh, in, in this flat and all of a sudden there was a float that came and just uh, brought them so what, what is the reason for such a pain yeah. which, of which yeah. we have no dominance
1: right. if there is a God yeah yeah so there, there's a lot of questions there uh, Jack um, that uh, are you know I, I don't think we have time for at the moment but what we can say is that the world is the world equals Night and day, light and dark, good and bad, sickness and health, profit and sorrow, up and down, left and right. That is the world. There is no such thing as a world that is only good, only bad. There's no such thing. That when you say, philosophically speaking, I'm just telling you what Vedanta says. It's not that you have to agree with it. I'm just, we're only here to, you know, imperfectly try to represent what the Vedanta philosophy says about life and the rest, we can all just kind of take it or leave it. However, we think about it, but uh, the world is these pairs of opposites in Sanskrit. The word is dwandwas. Dwandwas means pairs of opposites. So uh, yes, you are, there's, there's hunger and fullness. There's wealth and poverty. That is what the world is. And that's just a, a fundamental observation of, of that. Now, uh, just because you asked when people are going through circumstances that are hard, uh, you know, they may or may not suffer, actually. And that that is what we do have control over. You do have control over whether you suffer in a in a so-called bad situation or a so-called good situation. And I'm glad you bring it up because. This is one of the great values of getting our thoughts onto the changeless, onto the eternal, onto the infinite, is that it gives us a refuge that is beyond the world, that is beyond the joy and the sorrow. So you don't get so lost in the joy and you don't get so crushed by the sorrow. And uh, this is it's all about how we relate to it. And this is where a lot of people have been asking, what's the point of this type of thinking and all that? When you get yourself established in the thought of the higher, in the thought of the reality, in the thought of the truth, when you do that, you become, you can liberate yourself from what's happening to you externally, no matter how good or bad. Because ironically, some people consider great success as evil. Some people consider great wealth as an evil state. I'm just telling you for what it's worth, right? Lots of. People in history have, have considered that as well, you know, saying that the, it's harder for the, the wealthy man to get into the, the heaven than it is for a camel to go through the head of a needle and all that. So um, generally speaking, uh, the world is pairs of opposites. It's up and down. It's black and white. It's how we relate to it that makes it suffering or not. And, and this, is, this is one of the cruxes of, of Vedanta. So um, thank you, Jack. Uh, great question. And thank, uh, thank yeah, and um, it's been a couple of hours, folks. We've had, uh, looks like 1100 people come through here today, which is awesome. And um, we'll be here every Friday. We're going to wrap it up now. But um, please follow, follow us, uh, follow the club. Uh, if anyone's interested further in, in Vedanta and some of our regular programming, check out yogaforyourintellect.com. Or yfyi.co. Um, the e-learning program uh, that we talk about is is by Swami parthasarati A Partasarati, which you can see. Um, we have a link to it at yfyi.co. And uh, otherwise, uh, thank you all. Um, have a great day. I'll leave the room open for a minute in case you want to follow, or maybe for ten seconds or so, and then and then I'll shut it down. So thank you all so much. Bye. Cool.